On today's episode, I'll tell you which new Padre you should avoid in your fantasy baseball drafts, plus my interview with Mariners beat writer Ryan Divish. That's today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. I'm Taylor Tarter, and this is Fastball Fantasy Baseball. Let's get into it. haven't been a ton of significant signings uh, in the last couple of weeks. We're still waiting for a couple of the big free agent dominoes to fall. But there have been three of relative note. Um, Some of these are a little bit of a stretch. But first, Hansel Robles was signed by the Twins. He'd been closing in Anaheim, but had a really, really rough 2020. Uh, He'll probably be the main setup man in Minnesota behind Taylor Rogers. Closer is a notoriously shaky position, so... Robles is worth keeping an eye on going into next season. If your league values holds, he could be a valuable kind of post-draft add. Um, he's definitely not that valuable in saves-only leagues, but he's he's somebody you can reasonably expect to get a handful of saves the next season on days where Rogers rests. Um, another signing is uh, another relief pitcher, Tommy Canley. He's not expected to pitch this season as he recovers from an injury, but the Dodgers are seriously stacking up on bullpen depth. And what this tells me is that, you know, it might be time they're moving on from, from Jansen, who's a free agent after this season. So while the addition of Canley doesn't matter much for him fantasy-wise, this is more to me a signal for how the Dodgers might use the rest of their bullpen this season. Maybe this is a year where we see a little bit less of Kenley Jansen in the ninth inning, and maybe they start trying out some of their younger arms. So this is something just to kind of keep an eye on and watch. Um, and in addition to the trades I'll review shortly, the Padres also signed Korean infielder Ha Seong Kim. Uh, he's versatile. He played shortstop and third base in Korea, but those spots are... Definitely filled in San Diego. My best guess is they have him come off the bench as a pinch hitter at first or a defensive replacement. Uh, but I could see how they, you know, how they uh, use him at second. Uh, they, they might use him at second, um, depending on how he does in spring training. That could, uh, you know, influence his playtime early a lot. Um, in some articles he's been compared to Trey Turner in terms of his bat and his defense, but not the speed. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how his power translates to the MLB. He has a big leg kick in his swing that could affect his bat speed in the majors, you know, and, and uh, major league baseball is a little bit different than Korean league baseball. So we'll have to wait and see how his contact numbers pan out. I really would just pay attention. There, there's very few players that I care about. There's very few times that I care about spring training and what players do in spring training. This is one of those players where I do want to see how he's used and I do want to see how he does um, because I think that will influence how he's used initially by the Padres. All right, so let's talk about what everyone in baseball is talking about these days. The Padres trades. Deal or no deal. 
So the two biggest offseason trades involved the same team, the Padres. They shipped out a number of prospects and a handful of major league players for Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell. So first, let's get into what the Padres sent out. So in the deal to acquire Blake Snell from the Rays, the Padres sent out MLB-ready arm Luis Patino and catcher Francisco Mejia. So Patino actually becomes more valuable with the Rays, in my opinion, uh, because he has a clearer path to start. Essentially, at, at, as of right now, he should be replacing Morton in the rotation. So I'll have a really good lineup behind him, like he did, like he would have in San Diego. And chances are in San Diego, he would have at least started the season in the bullpen uh, as like a long reliever. Uh, you know, maybe he would have spot started here and there, but um, you know, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have a clear path to starting uh, as a starting pitcher in San Diego. That's different in Tampa. So I think immediately he becomes more valuable. As for Mejia, the Padres weren't developing him well. He had a lot of hype behind him in, in their system for a reason. Uh, my thought is that the Rays have such a solid track record with player development. I think it's hard to imagine he doesn't improve at least a little bit in Tampa. I don't know if that pushes him into a player you need to add right away in fantasy. But he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. He could end up being a pretty decent uh, second catcher down the road or, or a good streaming injury replacement down the road. It's just something you're going to have to watch uh, as he starts out for a new team. The minor league players that the Rays acquired were pitcher Cole Wilcox, who's seen as a solid arm. He can hit 100 with his fastball. He has a good sinker. Uh, Tampa also received catcher Blake Hunt, who is very raw in terms of his bat. And scouting reports say his glove is what's going to get him and keep him in the majors. But those guys are both a little ways away from becoming fantasy relevant. In the deal to acquire Yu Darvish from the Cubs, the Padres sent four prospects and pitcher Zach Davies. So three of the four prospects are teenagers, and they're likely years away from the majors. Uh, the other prospect uh, that they shipped only has a handful of at-bats in the minors, so they're not really fantasy relevant. And honestly, I don't think Zach Davies is either. He had a nice 2020 for the Padres, but his career strikeout per nine rate is six and a half, which means he's only striking out about six or seven batters for every nine innings he plays. And to put that in a little bit of perspective, guys like you, Darvish and Blake Snell are around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. So... Another kind of knock on Zach Davies is that in all but two of his major league seasons, his FIP and or XFIP have been worse than his ERA. And what that tells me is that he's been benefiting from good defense, luck, the ballpark, or all three. I think you might be able to stream him here and there in 2021. He's, he's definitely matchup dependent, uh, but He's not really fantasy relevant, in my opinion, especially with with uh, Chicago seeming to be ready to tear down a little bit and trade some assets away. I, I don't think he, uh, Zach Davies becomes fantasy relevant. So what do I think about the two main pieces in this trade, Snell and Darvish? I don't think the trade does anything significant to Snell's stats. Uh, Tampa and San Diego park factors and team defense were... Ranked pretty close in 2020. 
Also, the divisional park factors were pretty similar. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say park factors, basically what that means is, is the ballpark they're playing in more pitcher or hitter friendly. Now you could say 2020, small sample size, maybe a big, a bigger sample size of full season in 2021, full season, hopefully in 2021, will show something different. I just don't think it's going to end up mattering that much for Snell. I don't think it's going to affect his statistical output all that much where he plays or who plays behind him. I'm always going to see Snell as a risky ad. And I think I'll always value him less than most others will. And part of that is because his range of outcomes is so wide that, you know, he's going to go in round two in most leagues. He'll be in the top 20 or 30 overall picks in most leagues. And because of that, I'm going to avoid him. I don't think he's worth that. Uh, Not counting 2020, he's had one fully healthy year. He's never walked fewer than three batters per nine innings. In his Cy Young 2018 season, which a lot of people are going to point to and say, like, this is why you draft Blake Snell high. I look at and say, well, look at his BABIP. That super, super, super low BABIP uh, drove his ERA. And so a low BABIP for pitchers means they're getting lucky. A high BABIP for pitchers means they're getting unlucky. That's the opposite for batters. And on top of that, He was also fortunate that year in terms of how many fly balls turned into home runs, which was lower than the league average. Every sabermetric stat points to Blake Snell being a mid-three ERA pitcher rather than a mid-two ERA pitcher that everybody, uh, everybody thinks he is. And another reason why I don't think he is as valuable as most people is because he's a a bit of an injury concern. And on top of that, he doesn't really go deep into games. He's not a workhorse. He averages five and a third innings uh, over his career. That's not enough. That's not enough for me. That that doesn't get you a quality start. At, At most, maybe you get a boost to quality starts with him moving out of Tampa. Maybe San Diego lets him go deeper into games. I don't know. But, you know, he... That might be an area where he gets better. Maybe he gets a boost to his wins if they let him go deeper into games. But but he has to go deep into games to earn both. Five and a third doesn't get you a quality start. It might get you a win. So basically, I'm happy to draft Snell if he falls into that 40-50 pick range overall. If If he's like my second or third starter. Uh, starting pitcher, but I'm not drafting him to be my ace. I think the move to San Diego may move him ahead of a you know a Denelson Lamette, but I don't think it gets him into the top 15 starting pitchers for me. And as for you, Darvish, it, you know I don't think the move really moves the needle on him in either direction either. Historically, Wrigley Field is more of a hitter's park, so he might do a bit better in Petco in terms of giving up fewer home runs, but I don't. I just don't think that his stats are going to be dramatically affected. He, I mean, he already is very, very good, uh, and I don't think, um, you know, the, the defense is going to impact him very much. Um, I, I also don't think that the, the move is going to affect him in terms of his value in fantasy baseball. He's already a legit top 10 pitcher. He could be a top five, and so... 
as we approach the the 2021 season, you know, I'll get more into rankings and, you know, who would I go with this person or this person. But as of right now, I kind of see a handful of guys ahead of Darvish in, in fantasy. You, you got Cole, DeGrom, Bieber. I think a healthy Scherzer is, is, should be ranked ahead of Darvish. To me, Darvish, Giolito, Bueller are all kind of in the same ballpark. Um, you know, they're kind of interchangeable there. Um, so Darvish has been very consistent uh, the last year and a half. Uh, since the second half of 2019, he's been incredible. He's going to give you a ton of strikeouts. He's going to go deep into games. I just don't think that moving from San Diego, from Chicago to San Diego, pushes him ahead of some of those other guys like Bieber and DeGrom. Uh, but I don't think the move sets him back either. So I still see him as very, very valuable in fantasy. So uh, let's take a look at some of the free agents that are still out there and some rumors. So we're still waiting on some of the big names to be signed in free agency, but the market this offseason has been really slow because of the financial impact of the coronavirus on teams. You know, we've seen a slow market develop the last couple of years, but this is kind of extreme. There are rumblings about some players. Um, one free agent that I think could have a significant improvement depending on where he lands is second baseman Tommy Listella. So I'm closely watching where he goes. And of course, everyone's waiting to see where George Springer, Trevor Bauer, JT Realmuto land. So let's look into some of the rumors surrounding them. So New York Post reporter Disha Thozar said that the final clubs bidding on George Springer are the Blue Jays and the Mets, but he's not expected to sign until potentially well into January. Rumors suggest that the Cubs are not done dealing this offseason. Catcher Wilson Contreras could also be on the move, although Cubs president Jed Hoyer has said that that's basically fake news. And the Nets, after trading for Josh Bell, are looking for another big bat to put in the middle of their lineup. Third baseman uh, Chris Bryant has been connected to the Nets. The Nets are also supposedly uh, linked to catcher JT Realmuto. Supposedly, they've put in an offer already, so we'll see how that shakes out, too. In a moment, I'll share my interviews with Mariners reporter Ryan Divish and Red Sox reporter Jen McCaffrey right after a word from my sponsor. Joining me on the podcast today is Ryan Divish covering the Seattle Mariners for the Seattle Times. Ryan, thanks for joining me. It's good to be here. So the Mariners had a few solid performances from some younger players in 2020. What are your thoughts on the outlook of uh, guys like Kyle Lewis and Dylan Moore going into 2021? Can they repeat their success in a full season? Did the small sample size help them look good? Um, what what can we expect going into this year? That's a good question. I mean, I... I... I mean, I, I don't know the, even the Mariners know for certain. I think that they believe that the work that Kyle Lewis did last offseason um, and similarly the work that Dylan Moore did last offseason to kind of 
clean up some issues at the plate will yield consistent results moving forward. Obviously, like um, pitchers will attack them differently, but for Lewis, uh, the the drop in his strikeout percentage was pretty significant, and it was even just noticeable in the at bats and how the at bats went versus just the raw data of it. Uh, it just they were just cleaner at bats. He had a better idea. Better understanding of how to hit curveballs. I think with more, there is there is a risk because I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but most of his success came on fastballs. Mm. Uh, and, and, I mean, you know, the power numbers, the spike in power numbers, even a lot of the hits just in general, his overall OPS came on fastballs. So my guess is he's going to see a lot more breaking stuff this year if he plays considerably. And, and that could affect him. Uh, you know, in talking with him, he, he seems to think that the – the swings, the swing changes he made, which just keep him, you know, keep the bat in the zone longer and just have better consistent contact, well, won't be affected by whatever pitches he sees. But I mean, I think you know, in terms of like, from a fantasy standpoint, the Mariners want to give him every opportunity to be the everyday second baseman. A year ago, they gave the job to Shed Long. He played his way out of it, so I think this year they would ideally like to try and have Dylan Moore play there to see what they have in him. Yeah, big big part of fantasy is the opportunity. So mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's important. Um, one of the things you wrote about was uh, recently was that you think the Mariners should not dip into the free agent pool this offseason for a big signing, but rather wait until next year. Is there anyone like outside of the top guys this year that you are hearing the Mariners are linked to, or is are they just like kind of being quiet about it this year? You know, they, they've been linked to Taiwan Walker. Uh, and, and I mean, I know that they'll kick the tires on Tanaka and uh, a few of the starting pitchers. Like if you look at their starting rotation right now, they have Marco Gonzalez and then they have, you know, five largely unproven guys because they're going to go with a six-man rotation. So again, mm-hmm. from a fantasy standpoint, you might want to take that in consideration. They're planning on going with the six-man starting rotation this year. They think it helps you say Kikuchi and Justice Sheffield, Justin Dunn, the younger pitchers. Um, and then because of kind of the way the season was last year, not having the huge buildup of innings, you know, in terms of totaling innings that they want to keep these guys healthy. Uh, but I mean, you look at their, that projected starting rotation, like the number six pitcher would be Nick Margavichus, who was fine, but like they, if they want to be better, they need to add a starter, a veteran starter. I mean, they like Taiwan a lot. He was with them briefly last year. They thought he was, he, they thought he cleaned up a lot of things uh, coming off the surgeries. You know, I think they'd maybe look at Jay Happ and some of those guys as well. But they're no, they're not gonna really go after um, Trevor Bauer. I mean, I think they'll they'll check in, but you know, having the qualifying offer attached on Bauer is a big deal. And Bauer is not certainly not gonna want to go someplace where they they're pitching on five days rest. He'd rather go on three days rest half the time. So I I don't, I don't see that. You know, JT Real Muto is not a real fit for them, or Marcelo Zuna, somebody like that. They're not in a finishing type place. Right. But they do need to they do need to add a starter, I think. And I think they'll probably try and add a reliever. They've been linked to Blake Trinan. I know they've probably made at least one offer to him. Uh, a couple other the relievers. I don't know about Liam Hendricks, but you know, they they're looking at relief help. And I mean I think they'd always check in on if there's a decent bat available as well, because right now they don't necessarily have an everyday left fielder until probably like June one. Yeah, so I was I was gonna ask um what what are some uh other areas, some areas of need for Seattle, but you kind of hit those a little outfield pitching. Um, so, I mean, 
honestly, their bullpen needs the most help of anything. I think they were one of two bullpens in all of baseball that had a negative war last year. And they were awful, you know, and so they're trying to find guys. Like, they went out and traded for Rafael Montero of the Rangers, and they signed Keenan Middleton of the Angels. You know, both those guys have closed a little bit, and they'll get kind of the opportunity to be the closer. Uh, Kendall Graveman is a guy that was a starter that they're converting to reliever, and I think, you know, he has the type of stuff eventually that could be a closer, but they'll, you know, use him in leverage to start. Like I said, if they get Blake Trennan or if they make a run at somebody else, you know, there's some decent relievers on the on the market, and they'll take a look at those. You know, from a position player standpoint, they're pretty locked in, but you never know. I mean, like, if there's somebody out there, even if it's on a one-year kind of deal where they can get some – extract some value, they'll do it. Right. And so kind of touching on some of those relievers, if, if the season started right now, presumably Montero would be the, the closer. Is that kind of like the expectation as of right now? Yeah, I mean, I, that's who I would probably say. I mean, granted, we haven't seen him throw a pitch. I mean, Milton has, has been a closer before. He was starting to close for the Angels and then got hurt. Uh, and So he's got those intangibles. But there's nobody else within the organization on the 40-man roster other than those two guys. I mean, that's why I think it would be Montero most likely, and then maybe Middleton is a setup guy and Graveman is a setup guy. And then uh, Anthony Misevich, just lefty, who was a rookie last year, would probably factor into the later innings, but not as a closer. And so one batter that I think a lot of fantasy baseball players are interested in and, like, have been interested in for years is Mitch Hanniger. (laughs) He's had a lot of promise with the bat, but has had trouble staying on the field. Is he going into 2021 healthy? What What is the team expecting out, you know, out of him this year? What's he expecting this year? Yeah, I mean, I get, you know, from all indications, he's as healthy as he's ever been. You know, I mean, he's he had three surgeries in about a seven-month span. Um, the most gruesome of them all was to repair a ruptured testicle from a foul tip into his groin. So, yeah, I I mean, like he's going in healthy um, and strong. He's, he's, you know, he's posted videos of his workouts and everything like that. And, you know, if he's healthy and ready to go, he'll be the everyday right fielder and he'll play almost every day. Obviously I think they, they're not going to do anything where they play him 150 games a season because I just don't think that that that's, good for him they're going to rest him at least once a week but you know he's going to be out there and when he's fully healthy he's a very productive hitter you know there's a power quotient there and and so yeah I think that part you know if he's healthy he'll be ready to go but you just never know I mean they've been saying that a lot and he just hasn't been right and and so my last question for you it's kind of a multi-part question so there's a couple interesting prospects in the Mariner system, and I kind of just want to get your take mm-hmm. on a couple of them. <clears throat> if you think we see them in 2021, or if we, it's more likely we see them later, and kind of what we can expect out of them. Mm-hmm. So one, one is Jared Kalenic, mm-hmm. and Julio Rodriguez, and Logan Gilbert. Uh, with Jared, yeah, he'll be there. Um, like. You know, had there been a full triple A season this year, I think he probably would have got called up late last season. Or maybe, you know, he would have been competing for a spot this year. But I think right now he'll he probably won't be up till maybe June first or middle uh, middle of May at the earliest because of the one he, Yeah, well yeah, one he just hasn't played. You know, he didn't he only played in those 
inter squad games. And then two, yeah, they can manipulate the service time. So they can use the lack of a minor league season last year as an excuse for him to, you know, as an excuse for them to force him to play, you know, whatever it is the six weeks at triple a uh, before, and then call him up. And so they can then guarantee another year of club control. So I, I think they would do that. I think they'd be wise. Um, you know, until then, my guess is there's some combination of like Jake Fraley or Braden Bishop will play left field until, you know, he's ready to go, unless they go out and find somebody that they can plug in there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think that's kind of how that will work. Uh, Logan Gilbert should be called up by about mid-season, ideally, if everything progresses right in the minor leagues, you know, they'll start him out at triple-A Tacoma is my guess. They may even start him in double-A just because it's the environment's a little bit better. But my guess is they want him to go to triple-A and have him pitch and, you know, give him half the season there and then debut him at some point. Um, and then Julio, I think, will just start at double-A and I don't think we'll see him this year, but maybe next year. He's he's pretty raw still. He's only 20. Um, you know, he, he missed – almost all of that kind of alternate training site stuff because of the, with a broken wrist. Mm-hmm. So I think they'll be pretty cautious. You know, if he gets, if he plays really well at double A and gets to triple A by the end of the year, I think that's a great accomplishment, but you know, that's, there's no guarantees with that. I mean, he's only played about, I think 21, 20 some games at the high A level. So, I mean, like, you know, it's still going to be a significant jump for him going at that. And um, I don't think they'll, I don't think they want to rush that process any. Gotcha. All right, Ryan, thanks for uh, joining me today, sharing your insight. I I really appreciate your time. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using. That way you'll be notified when each new episode is published throughout the rest of the offseason. I'll be back with a new episode next week with a few more interviews and hopefully some more big news. Also, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating will move my podcast up the list on all the podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So it's something that really helps me out. You can find me on Instagram at Fastball Fantasy Baseball, on Twitter at Fastball Pod. I'll be posting as much as I can online with daily info and updates, so make sure you follow me on Soch. Um, posting on Twitter pretty regularly. You'll get up-to-the-minute analysis on all the big moves this offseason. And feel free to email the show at fastballfantasybaseball at gmail.com with any questions, trades, pickups, keepers, whatever. Thanks for listening.